welcome to the podcast Beyond the Triangle. I'm Amy Beth Horman, and this is episode 26, entitled Quarantine Company. Sounds odd, doesn't it? Company in the quarantine. I don't know about you, but I could use some company outside my own beautiful family by this point. And for the record, I do enjoy their company very much. And while we are supposed to be social distancing, in podcast land, we're all in this together. I haven't done a podcast in a while, and I'm happy to share why just to start us out. I do like to keep it real, as most of you know, and this year has been harder than I thought with so many layers of adjustments. The main one that squashed my podcast plans was homeschooling, which coincidentally we are all doing right now. And I've really missed the podcasts. I tried to get back into it by doing some live presentations on Instagram, and that did help. But finding a few hours quiet in the house for podcast recording has been difficult. Maybe the quarantine will get me back in the swing of things. I hope so. I really do. It's kind of funny because now I'm homeschooling two kids and teaching more than ever, and here I am writing a podcast. My husband's home now, too, and even though the house has never had more noise in it than it does right now, it seems like a perfect time to reconnect and share my thoughts on how we can thrive musically in this difficult time. I'm not going to dwell on the negatives of the quarantine. You have the news to watch if you wish to feel that. You can phone your family and delve into everything political and health-related, Today, I'm just going to center my energies on how I am seeing this time period for our family as it pertains to music and education. And as usual, I will use my multiple perspectives. Mom, teacher, violinist, conservatory professor, I'm whipping out all my hats just like always. So let's start with my perspective as a mom. As a mom, I kind of saw this whole ordeal coming somehow. Maybe some of that was mother's intuition. I felt a shift happening in my gut, and it wasn't a good one. I was actually sick myself with something non-COVID, even staying home from SFCM, which has never happened, you guys. And then within a week of that, we were all on lockdown. So because I had a week sick at home, I found myself watching the whole world slowly realize the long road we were all swerving on. When they announced the lockdown in San Francisco, I was not surprised and had already assumed schools would follow suit as well as conservatory, ballet, chorus, and anything in our kids' activities. To me, it was only a matter of time. Having said all of that, somehow, even though I felt it coming, it hit me pretty hard as a mom, kind of like something that was happening to all of us in slow motion. It felt like I knew it was going to happen, and then when it did, my body and my brain still panicked. It struck me that even though we had been craving more time together as a family, this lockdown announcement still felt brutally limiting to our household. Did we have what we needed? How would we homeschool both kids? Freya loves school and had chosen to go even when we gave her the choice to be home with Ava this year. She also looks forward to every Tuesday for chorus and Sunday for ballet. 
two things I have no experience teaching myself, but really enjoy watching and being her cheerleader for. As a teacher, I also panicked. Could I really teach everything I wanted to online? What about the most advanced students who were poised and ready to take on new repertoire? Were we going to be able to find traction on new repertoire on an online platform? How well would I be able to hear nuance, tone, color? Then there are my first year conservatory students who were looking forward to their first jury experiences and doing their last performances on stage to get ready right before the lockdown. They have worked so hard with me this year and now juries will be by video. It felt like Ava even had just hit her stride with her new teacher, Simon, right before this happened too. And now she would have to be receiving his feedback through our screen with us crossing our fingers. It just all felt very new and scary, and I really wasn't sure how everyone, including me, would react. I have a lot of experience teaching online, too, but usually it has been in conjunction with in-person training, used as a supplement, so this would definitely be different. I actually started teaching online back east when I lived in Washington, D.C., but let me explain how different that was. There, when I was teaching online, it was because of a snowstorm. The snow melts. It goes away after a while. None of us feel particularly threatened by it. So in inclement weather, if a child was really needing me to help them with something, I was happy to teach them online. Again, in conjunction with what we knew to be in-person lessons starting again soon. Now, we just don't know when we're going to be in person again, and we have the added stress of knowing that there is a health crisis going on around us. All sorts of household protocols being changed to keep us all safe. There's just a lot going on on the peripheral to get our stress levels up. But as I said here today, by now we've been at this for several weeks. So we are getting the hang of things somewhat. And I'm hoping it might help to share what we are doing here and what some of my thoughts are as it pertains to music education in all of this. We might be doing this for a while longer, and my heart tells me if we share what's working and maybe what's not, all of us will fare better. So let's talk about Ava and how she's doing. Get ready for some real talk. Luckily, Ava's teacher, Simon, seemed unfazed. We jumped online into lessons and Ava gave it her best shot. We don't do much screen time here unless it is pure recreational time. We have no TV in the house even. So when there is a screen, it hits our kids like Disney is entering the room. They slide happily into relax mode and wait to be entertained. I'm not so sure how this works for conservatory training on Paganini Caprice number five though. So I had to have a talk with Ava that now when we're having a screen put in front of her, we need to switch into active thinker mode, violin think tank mode, problem solver mode, and artistic mode. It has helped a little to have her log on to a screen to play puzzles or hangman as opposed to watching a Pixar short film, but we're still adjusting. Her body just isn't used to doing this in this way. I wonder how many kids are having trouble with this. 
Also, as an aside on Ava, she thrives on structure. And having a bunch of free time where things are willy-nilly doesn't suit her at all and generally results in questionable choices and behavior. So that first week or two, I'm not actually sure we got much done at all because she was really trying to transition to lockdown life and landing herself in timeout. (laughs) Real talk, right? Should be said also that Ava doesn't use a laptop for a lot of her schooling either the way high school kids might. She does do online school, sometimes online, but it doesn't seem the same. It's just different for kids who associate screens with recreation only, I think. I even questioned myself and my parenting there for a second, like, hmm, where did I go wrong with this screen stuff? Ugh. So I started thinking like an educator. How do we optimize how kids react to screens? Apart from the pep talk I gave Ava and finding some mind-bending apps to get their brains working through the screen instead of just going into relax mode. For us, it has been useful to let Ava help us set up a space where she can receive her training now online. I make sure she is still standing, so we have placed the laptop on the piano for now. Stand is nearby, favorite pencils, utensils, all ready for use. I let her participate in this setup so that she takes ownership of it. We arrange it 15 minutes beforehand, and this has been surprisingly helpful and reminded me of something from an earlier podcast, just giving that little bit of time to help their brains and bodies get ready for learning has helped her. I realized I've been just putting her in Simon's studio after eating a snack in the cafe, and sometimes that transition is hard for her. Let's face it, the kind of focus we are hoping for in front of their teachers is not the everyday casual focus like you have at a lunch table. There needs to be a pivot or a shift of some sort. So how we help them achieve that counts. Now, some kids I've met over the years are just really good at making that shift. It seems like they can just switch it on and off. It's a gift, honestly. But for Ava, she needs gentle cues and guiding I remember reading about someone turning on a light in the music room in their house 15 minutes before practice. Sometimes we brew tea and the aroma fills the room, and that cues her. We set an atmosphere which her brain and body recognize without talking. We are having to do that in a fresh way now, and it isn't ideal in many ways, but it is still possible. I feel like with the mode of learning changing now indefinitely, The good news is also the bad news. We might be doing this for a while, so there's time to hone in on how we do it, and there is time to watch them grow into it and improve with it. By the end, these kids will be better at learning online, and they may be able to transfer some of those skills to learning in person. Now that we've covered Ava, I'm going to talk about how teaching is going for me. As I said before, there are many students I have who take online lessons. This was not new to me, but doing all of it this way was less than ideal in my mind. Immediately, I improved my setup and screen lighting and started experimenting with different platforms. I kept an open dialogue with students about connectivity issues, and I tried troubleshooting with them to optimize sound and our ability to communicate. I also have become much more organized about having all my music out. I think this is helping me get very specific with my comments. 
I'm demonstrating constantly and trying to adjust the screen to see different aspects of my technique. We do have connection issues, get cut off midstream, have to start comments or exercises over, and have focus just break off. That is more frustrating than I can say here, but I know we're all in it together. As a teacher, I'm finding that scheduling my week a bit differently is helping me spread out my energy. I have to switch the schedule up somewhat because now I'm homeschooling too, and it just feels different at the house. Also, I've seen teachers teaching in different locations, maybe on their porch or in different rooms. I have a small condo with an open space, but I'm thinking maybe next week I might actually head out on the porch. The thing is, I think the monotony of it can be kind of numbing. And of course, we want to be alert and very focused on detail. So I need to be actively adjusting and refining my mindset as a teacher and my disposition as I enter teaching to stay on top of things the way I like to. I've had a few days which were very difficult, but I'm grateful to have my family home to cheer me up. Some lessons I exert so much energy and I leave the lesson unsure what came across clearly. I'm not used to that feeling. This is online teaching. But as we get farther down the calendar with the lockdown, I am seeing that accumulatively, I am getting my points across and progress is happening. That really reassures me. This is not the process I'm used to, but it is viable and it's what we have for right now. I'm staying open to new platforms and features and ideas to deepen learning and try hard to cultivate curiosity and passion in practice. I've hosted a Zoom meeting for teachers and made calls out for support when I needed it. And this has even branched into new friendships and rekindled some old ones from back east. So for that, and really for all of this, I am grateful. Before I head into the last section of this podcast, which is, in my opinion, the most important one, I want to talk briefly about a situation from my youth that reminds me a bit of our current situation. So when I was about 11, I had already been studying about a year with the person who became my main teacher, Jody Gatwood. Jody was an amazing player and teacher, but had not had any younger students before me. So the learning curve in that first year for both of us had been very steep, but we had hit our stride. And then he injured his hand. I remember that lesson where he sat and told us that he was going to have nine months without being able to demonstrate for me. I think he even intimated that we could change to a different teacher, of course, but deep down, I think he wanted to try his best and teach without playing. Now, I was a kid who learned by watching and listening to someone play. It was kind of my thing to mimic back and listening to detailed oral instructions sometimes got me frustrated and more than a bit lost. So this was a huge announcement for my family. And while we were very concerned for him and his recovery, we couldn't help but wonder how this would affect my journey on the violin. I imagine that's how a lot of people feel now. We spent the next nine months growing together, though. 
he learned how to explain technical elements to an 11-year-old. And I learned how to really listen, not just look like I was listening so I didn't get in trouble, but really listen. And then I learned how to listen, think, calibrate my body, and apply the information. Synthesis. It took a while. There were bumps, (laughs) but I learned. Boy, did I learn from this. And when I say I was stronger as a student once he resumed playing, it might be the biggest understatement of my podcasts yet. The skills I had to learn in that nine-month period were skills I needed to be coachable. Looking back on it, these might be the very skills I needed to succeed, the ones that really got me admitted to the conservatory later. I was relying on my strengths and had not yet taken enough time to hone my weaknesses in my learning style. And this pushed the envelope. That envelope needed to be pushed right then. So this is actually the next thing that I want to talk about, the most important thing. I really think this can bring some parents and teachers some hope. What are some skills we will need to build right now in students and in teachers that can easily transfer over and serve us later in person? I think pondering this can be really motivating for everyone because while some of the things we are finding ourselves having to master right now, like advanced sound settings, modems, and Zoom meetings, aren't transferable. Others are infinitely transferable. They can make our kids stronger students who learn in a myriad of ways, not just the learning style that they are naturally in tune with. So focusing on these transferable traits is a strategic choice we can make with our young artists right now, and it is one which is infused with a healthy dose of optimism something I think we all need. Let's list a few right now. Transitioning into focus is certainly one of them, and it's what I was talking about before. Setting up your online learning space, forming gentle rituals and cues, allowing your student to take ownership, how they organize and prepare materials. This all gets the body and the brain ready to work the magic. So often we rush in as parents and we hover and we do all of these things for them and then we wanna snap our fingers and have them focus like a pro. We need to let them do it. And we have plenty of time to achieve this now. Before, maybe we were rushing in late from traffic, trying to find parking, you name it. But now we're all home and we can take that time that's necessary to let them steer their own ship. The second thing that I think that we can start working on is being able to listen to instructions. This is infinitely transferable. In person, some students can read body language very quickly, but online, this is so much harder. Even demonstrations are clearer by far in person, along with all of the subtle details you can see physically with someone who is giving you the example right there. Online, we are challenged by sound issues, connection issues, and it's hard to hear inflection in our voices. So a lot of things that aid in comprehension are hampered now or on hold. As a teacher, my students are asking me to repeat myself over and over. I'm having to remind myself 
to slow down and get more concise. If I go on too long with my point, we could lose signal and I will have to start over completely. I feel the stress of getting my point across before I lose their focus or my internet connection. What seems to help is asking them to repeat back what they heard me say. But I need to keep it quick. So that's something that teachers are going to get much better at in this period of time. Sometimes I ask them to try it with their violin to demonstrate understanding, even if it is not perfect. I want to know that they have understood me before we leave that meeting together. In general, they are striving really beautiful to hear me. They are struck, I think, by the fact that whereas before not listening was a choice, they sometimes made consciously or unconsciously, now online they will need to make more efforts to have a chance to understand me so they will definitely grow. Another skill that I see being very transferable to when we are back to in-person training is communicating difficulty or asking questions. In some ways, this one will also build humility and bring us all together a bit. Some of my students hesitate to admit when they aren't sure how to play something or haven't understood my instructions. But in online learning, I'm finding my students try harder to tell me they are unclear on concepts or practice techniques, and they are getting more specific about what they are struggling with. They know their training is already compromised right now, and they are working harder and gathering in what they can do. Admitting what is unclear to them might feel vulnerable, but it's crucial right now. We have lost a lot of natural advantages to our training right now, so total disclosure is necessary. I'm really heartened by this because this honesty and humility will possibly carry them the farthest in the skills I see them building. You can't improve on things you don't acknowledge need help. And it's okay to need clarification. It's okay to think you understand something and then discover that there are nuances of it that you need more information on. This is so good for students to get in a good habit of doing in their education overall. The other skill I see growing is watching demonstration. I have never seen my students watch me more closely than they are right now. And added bonus, I have to watch myself while they watch me. I'm in front of the screen, so what I'm putting out there is even more exact now to what I'm looking for them to do. It brought me back to my own training so many years ago when I remember certain things my teacher chose to demonstrate for me in front of a mirror. He watched himself do it while I watched him. This is so powerful. I certainly hope I have demonstrated everything as beautifully as possible before now, but I can say with certainty that I am now demonstrating with even more accuracy because I'm seeing it live. The example I'm giving is more specific, which is fantastic for everyone. And the best part, boy, are they looking at me now. The last skill set I see growing and becoming beautifully transferable is a student's ability to mark and observe their score. If you are using Zoom, you can even share scores through a screen, but I have never seen my students marking or taking so many notes. They are really hitting new levels of taking initiative and ownership, and it shows in their progress lately. Often in lessons in person, I would mark for them or sometimes a parent would. But I can't do that now. And you know what? That's great news because different neurons fire when they do it. And yes, 
It takes longer for them to do it in general, especially the younger ones. But I'm learning to be patient. There is time now. While they are writing a correction into their parts, it is also being stored in their bodies. And this makes the actual correction happen in shorter time, which makes everybody happy. If ever there was a time to let kids start marking and taking notes on their own, it's got to be right now. I'm having kids start more practice charts and practice journals. I'm certain that this gives them a new level of achievement, a new feeling of accomplishment to be taking their own notes, creating their own charts, writing their own goals, and watching themselves reach them in this time period is going to carry them farther in the future. So what can we do next as parents to continue to prime these kids for online learning? And what can we do as teachers to coach our parents to participate in this? Maybe just talking to the kids out loud about how important looking at demonstrations can be right now. How much can you focus on your teacher and all of the elements of their technique? Maybe recording the lessons, which you can do on many platforms, watching them back with them, asking them to point out details, really getting them to think at a new and higher level. I know that parents are also busy right now and a lot of us are working from home, but just doing this once could have such an impact. Recording one lesson and then watching it and participating in making observations and taking notes just once could lead your child on the right path so that they can do it for themselves. It would be worth it. Most teachers I know are making every attempt to adjust their lighting and screens and trying to do everything they can to show angles of their hands, explaining things they are doing in real time to aid comprehension. The truth is we're all working harder because we know that we have been stripped of so many of our teaching tools by moving to online training. I know even writing this podcast has helped me formulate a plan to maximize Ava's learning here. We are going to have a family sit down and talk about all of the ways we can grow in our roles as teacher and student during this time together. I read a quote the other day about feeling powerless and how when you feel like the world is in crisis, your power lies in how you respond. These are the things we can still control. So I hope some of you feel empowered by this episode. That would be my goal. You are still steering your own ship forward. And how we do during this period can greatly impact how our kids do later. This is an opportunity for us to grow, all of us, together. Don't miss a beat. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Podbean. I hope that I will be back for more episodes during this time. If you have a question or a topic you would like to discuss on Beyond the Triangle, my ears are wide open. Write me at beyondthetrianglepodcast at gmail.com and let's connect. I'm checking emails now again, so my hiatus is over. Stay safe and stay healthy, everybody.